So I'll start off with politics, right? <laughs> Perfect. Perfect intro. Welcome, Good. everybody, to another episode of Workflow Wednesday, where we bring on industry experts like our guest this week. Oh, I'm not mirrored anymore. Uh, Brady Betzel, online editor uh, of the show Life Below Zero, I think was your most recent one that I saw online, uh, but among other hats that you wear. Uh, and we're, uh, again, joined by Matt Bach, our, in, our internal expert. Uh, and so just in case, Brady, uh, who, if anybody doesn't already know who you are, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background, what you do, and all that good jazz. Sure. Hi, I'm Brady Betzel. I'm an online editor slash colorist, and uh, I work on a bunch of shows from, like you said, Life Below Zero on Nat Geo to a couple spinoffs of that in Alaska. Um, a couple Quibi shows recently, some Netflix Ooh. stuff coming up. It's all over the place, and uh, yeah, I basically blur naked people and make stuff not look like it was filmed in a dark closet. Nice. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's great. I <laughs> blur naked people. So, yeah. uh, na- naked and afraid, is that a lot of your Ooh. work, When too? I saw that show, my <laughs> anxiety went through the roof because <laughs> I was poor... waiting to see the credits. They had like 20 or 30 blur people, I think. No and way. Some of them were very good blurs. I was really impressed for the angles. Yeah. And the roto and stuff. I mean, they deserve big Emmys for that. <laughs> the things you don't think about, you know, when you're watching like a show. It, seriously, that stuff though, is remarkable. It, uh, it, there's always a little. Oh, that's too bright. Never mind. There's always little things behind the scenes that uh, people either take for granted or just don't even don't even notice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's that's really interesting to see. Yeah, um, not to mention camera people you got to paint out or boat IDs or license oh. plates or birds or drones or everything hear, you got to paint out. Especially yeah, for I, the audio. Uh, I hear airplanes are a big problem with uh, audio, at least. Yeah, yeah. airplanes yeah. and even just general, like, noise out in the wilderness or if they're on a reality show in a house, like Real Housewives, just kids or car it's and there's so much stuff yeah, so i know we're going to try to get a lot of questions from anybody who's, who's sure, watching sure. i've got one already to kind of lock yeah. this off so you're talking about like all like the the boat names or numbers yeah. on there and all the things you got to paint out a lot of times are those like just blurred out or are you using like um like content aware fill kind of stuff or is uh, it just so, like up to the director so i work predominantly an avid media composer okay but occasionally in premiere and and resolve as well but um a lot of the times it comes down to time so if i'm given four hours to do my job i have to kind of say all right i can get the show in shape for in three hours and then i'll spend an hour on blurs and if it costs more we'll have to go to the client and get that approved and so both stuff um depending on the show so if i have enough time i'll paint them out and if i can actually do it without making a garbage roto um but most time you get away with blurs so if there's like a hundred in an episode i'll be blurring but if it's like um i don't know three and I can do it. I might try to match the paint of the boat and use Mocha or Boris effects. Um, sometimes the Avid stuff. And if I have to, I'll go to After Effects. But I try to stay inside of Mocha and Boris for the most part. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Makes sense. Uh, ahead of time, do you have to find all those points to to take out, or is somebody else is that somebody else's job to scrub through and say, Hey, there's something. Hey, there's something. Typically, there's uh, legal departments, and a producer would go through the whole show and say, I need this person blurred this person's face this kid's face this boat this license plate whatever sometimes though i'll find them and i'll just if i know if i'm comfortable enough that i know what they want i'll just be like oh i gotta blur that and then i point it out when we're reviewing it but mm-hmm. i mean for the most part license plates always need to be blurred boat ids typically need to be blurred um addresses always need to be blurred or painted um, and then faces, it just depends. It depends on the production company, how many releases they get, if they don't get a release, or if one of them one time, a long time ago, there was an airport scene of a Real Housewives type show, and they're like, everything but the people. And there were 50 people surrounding them taking pictures and artwork on the walls. So essentially it's like, just uh, that. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And then their hands go like this and you're like, well, okay, I gotta cut that out. That's half a day's worth of work for 30 seconds. Right. (laughs) But most time they go, ah, we'll find a new shot. Yeah. 
that's pretty neat. Wow. <laughs> I don't even know. Um, so actually recently, um, I was just looking at your, you were looking at some updates to Premiere Pro. Yeah. Uh, there was mention of HDR and, um, oh, I can't remember now. I'm so sorry. Scene I should edit wrote detection. Scene edit detection. That's yeah. the one. And I was curious, I was curious about that actually without, um, I get, I just kind of skimmed through it and sure. I'd like to, would you talk about that a little bit? Sure. So when, um, when a show comes to us to be color corrected, typically I'm the guy who conforms it and preps it for the colorist, a separate job, but sometimes I color depends on the budget. But, um, sometimes a client will send just a flat quick time with no edits in it. In that case, we have to chop it up by camera or by edit. Mm -hmm. So, um, in Resolve, there's a, essentially the same thing. You say, hey, check out this QuickTime, find the edit points, and it gives us ad edits, and we can individually color the cameras without necessarily seeing the raw clips um, easier. So now Premiere does it, and it's actually a very big help for anyone who colors inside of Premiere. Um, if you get a lot of quick times instead of like a project. So if I typically get like an avid project, I'll have all the clips and I can make an EDL or an AAF to send to the colorist to use in Resolve or Nakoda. They color, send me back the clips and I can relink them and edit the raw show basically yeah because i guess just for anyone who's not familiar with coloring who, who's on the stream the reason you have to do that is because every scene is different you can't just apply like one set of color to everything because one shot might be really dark you gotta lighten it one shot might be a little over you gotta bring it down or the colors are changed and so like when you're getting that shot for a colorist or when they have like the entire think of like an episode of like tv like you've got to go in and change every single one and mm -hmm. normally how you would do that and like resolve is you edit each clip separately and a lot of times um for like a 45 minute show which is typically what a 60 minute show is plus commercials right it, there's like a thousand to 1200 edits and that doesn't mean different cameras but that just means there's that many edit points and so you have to have them separate like you were saying so if i have a gopro in one spot with a low angle and then i have a drone from way up high that has a different exposure then i have two camera guys or camera people and then who knows they probably wearing some some weird camera that's like just doing weird stuff and <laughs> wrong frame rates and bad color and huh. who knows so i got a question um about color and like all these frame clips so you know often you have like multiple angles and you're switching back and forth between the two how do you handle uh, like applying the same color grade to like that one angle over and over and over again because i'm assuming you don't want to like freehand it over multiple times because it's going to be slightly different it depends so um it depends on the editing app really so mm -hmm. in like uh, resolve you can essentially um link the cameras together one camera together so if you have an a camera you can color like a hero shot like say of you or me and then it'll ripple down to all of them if you want it to okay. and then you can undo that i'm sorry unlink it and then do fine tweaking to each one similar in avid you can um just color one and it'll ripple um premiere i believe can do it but i'm not exactly sure um yeah. but essentially yeah you you would do a base grade for the most part and then go back through when you're watching and being like, oh, that one I need to tweak a little bit. The real hard part's camera matching between like a GoPro and a Red or like an Ari or um, an iPhone and trying right. to trying to not take the lowest common denominator if you can help it and elevating everything. But a lot of times it has to kind of come down. Add a whole bunch of film grain to everything. Then, then it'll <laughs> film grain and vignettes. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Uh, so actually, we have a we have a good question coming from Twitch. Uh, Moose does stuff. He asks any hints or tricks for colorblind editors. Colorblind editors. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Um, in terms of like editing, editing. That's really tricky. I don't know. I mean, in I mean, when I'm coloring black and white, it's interesting because you can when you go into monochrome and you adjust each color channel, you kind of put yourself in those shoes and can see when it's black and white if you lift the red values you're going to see some interesting stuff that you wouldn't normally see in a full color image so it's actually a good practice to bring something in black and white and mess with the different channels and just see what will make more contrast or less huh. contrast because you wouldn't normally think what happens happens it's really interesting 
I've also know. seen I, I've seen on some of the subreddits I, I frequent, um, like the editors or colorists on sub on Reddit, that question yeah. comes up every once in a while and it seems like the answer is always just like go with your scopes. Just that just I mean, your scopes completely. That or, is the thing as long as you have good scopes and but to a certain point i mean you can get everything you can get red to be red you can get whites to be white and blacks to be blacks and maybe rely on the skin tone line if you do rely on it and then yeah you'll probably be you could you could color a show by looking at scopes it might not be creatively what you're looking for but it'll mm -hmm. should be accurate uh, he, he's asking, "What is scopes? What are or what are?" Oh, scopes? I'm sorry. Scopes. No, that's okay. I wasn't sure myself. I think I have an idea, uh, sure. but yeah. So um, there's a technical, like a science nerdy side of this, where you run your feed um, usually over SDI so that you have an accurate. Um, you have the ones and zeros, right? And it goes to some weird graph. Um, you may have seen it before that looks like a, almost like an audio waveform. Yeah, I'll see if I can red channel, blue channel, and green channel. Kind of like um, a histogram? You could do, there's histograms as well. Okay. Um, depending on the level of scope you get, there's different types of graphs. Like Tektronix makes an expensive one that has something called a double diamond display. There you go, Matt has oh, uh, okay. a bunch there of different go. ones up. There we resolve. go, that helps. Google for the win. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so um, essentially the in the upper right, the parade gives you the red, green, and blue channels. And mm -hmm. you can uh, kind of rely on that if, they're touching the top that's the brightest point and the bottoms are the darkest point and depending on your color space which is super nerdy you can figure out what's uh, legal and what's not and then in the lower left the vector scope will tell you that that looks similar to a skin tone line maybe how it's angled up to the left but as you go around that circle there's the different colors you'll see r for red magenta and all sorts of stuff wow you I mean, can kind of tell that that skin tone just from looking at that little uh, <laughs> maybe i mean typically that angle right there is uh -huh. what a skin tone line would be on kind of um oh, it does not, it's not exact but if it's around that angle typically it's a proper skin color and that doesn't necessarily mean black white or whatever it just it, it actually measures the blood under the skin and the same the that quality huh. is consistent across most people now there's some debate recently about that but for the most part it's it's looking at the color of the skin from the blood it's really interesting there's it's a wow. whole rabbit hole wow yeah. that's and, pretty cool um, there's some nice i mean just on youtube there's some nice tutorials i think black magic as part of their like official training for resolve i think they have a whole bunch of sections about scopes and their yeah, you can get, black magic yeah. stuff is great um there's there's some good people on youtube like one guy casey ferris i've watched for a long time he does a lot of cool stuff that's um he's good at uh dumbing it down for someone like me when i'm like i don't want to hear ones and zeros all the time I just want to see kind of what he's up to. Yeah. Um, and then there's some paid ones like on uh, lynda.com that you can get free with your library card. But Resolve or Black Magic has a ton of good ones for free, just nice. ready to go. It's nerdy, but if you can pay attention, it's like a college course for free. Oh, that's cool. All right. Well, I, ho I hope that helps answer the question. Um, there's also another everyone. one. There's also another from uh, YouTube. Richard Putnam asks, uh, this is a premiere question. Uh, do some of you have issues with playback JKL in pre uh, Premiere Pro 2020? Um, I'm guessing something funny with his keyboard shortcuts. Uh, JKNL, um, it's different ways to play. Uh, if you hit, um, I mean, I don't do as much. L lets you go forward, but if you hit it more times, it goes faster and faster. Oh, okay. uh, J is just in reverse, and L, I think, it just pauses or stops. That makes sense. Kind of yeah, forward, um, back. It, it gets dicey in Premiere. I, I don't think it um, works as fluidly unless you have a really beefy CPU. I mean, GPU helps, but they don't tend to work as well for my testing purposes. Um, but that's, I mean, I don't want to totally dump on Premiere, but it, it's, okay. trimming functions aren't as um, fluid as I've noticed some other ones. So it's not just you. Yeah, I think, okay. I mean, because the latest, I think it's still in beta, they finally added GPU accelerated um, decoding for H.264 and HVC. So that might end up helping. Yeah. Um, I I did a little bit of testing with it and I was getting worse performance with it. I mean, it's beta, it's beta. So I mean, okay. like, 
you know, your mileage may vary. Um, yeah. But uh, I'm very interested to see if that kind of helps out too, because uh, a lot of people, man, they'll edit H.264 and they've got a beefy system, but it's just H.264 is terrible for editing. Yeah, um, those. And, and, and there's some, and it depends on like even your camera. Like we do a lot of our testing with, I think it's 150 megabit, and mm-hmm. like a lot of systems can play it fine. Uh, we had a customer send us a test clip uh, the other day. It was 40 megabit, 1080p. You know, not doesn't look scary when you just look at the file, but playing it back, like nothing can play it. Like nothing. I, I threw it on the most oh, powerful wow. systems, and it's just it's some weird. I think it's like an older Sony camera or something. Uh, and so like all the different, there's more than just H.264. There's all the different encoding schemes that every camera uses, and like it gets better on the newer cameras. And yeah, if you get like the old XD cam, it has long gop footage, which is <laughs> super nerdy. But group a picture encoding, and it just it will tear your system to pieces. But wow. I mean, over the last five years people have stopped kind of um transcoding stuff but that's that's really the only way i worked mm-hmm. for 15 years was you bring in the footage at a ProRes or a dnx um codec and then it's a different the computer processes it better and it just will work more fluid but if you do those h265s or h264s even like you said even like beefy systems will choke so it's not yeah. just there's a lot of factors in that kind of and stuff. Premiere did just add a, a bunch of updates to their proxy workflow too. Um, I think now nice. you can, uh, what did they add? I think one of the biggest things is they added better presets because their presets sucked before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think now they have better presets to use for making proxies and they're giving you the ability to export with, with proxies now too. So if you want to just do like a, uh, you know, a review uh, with like your client or whatever, um, you can just do it with proxies and it's not a big deal. It's way faster for your system too so probably yeah just like you said the only answer is either transcoding or use proxies let's see Uh... proxy talk yeah that's that's always interesting uh (laughs) concept well because um well i guess so this kind of ties into something i noticed in in a previous uh interview that we had had um you list yourself as an online editor with mm-hmm. with some past experience with offline editing. And yeah. that had come up, those terms had come up in a talk with Oliver Peters uh, talking about like old school editing where you were like practically physically cutting the, the film and that kind of a deal. Yeah. Um, I still don't really have a good grasp of the difference. Sure. Online versus offline editing. Because it's not, it's not, we're not talking like doing this in the cloud or, you know, this is, this has a different sort of definition. Yeah, it's, uh, it kind of comes back to the film days but essentially the offline editor does story and the online editor does technical and color stuff so when i was an offline editor i'd be more apt to be getting a script going through it making the scene story-wise make sense and sometimes doing some after effects or whatnot depending on the show and then hand it off to an online editor who would take my nonsense and make sure it was uh, formatted correctly, the colors were legal, the text looks legal or needs to be fixed or an animation is bumpy or essentially make it look perfect where the offline people, while they a lot are very good, most of the time they're just concentrating on story and rightly so and the audio and make okay. that make the most sense for um, someone watching it and who doesn't care, like my wife, about um, the color being bad or uh, errors technically. I see. So those okay. shows on Netflix that like go out and it's still in log. Oh. They don't have good. It's not a Netflix editing. show in log. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a couple, um, and I've I've seen some people trying to figure out like why would they do that. <laughs> And yeah, you know, one, it's just a big mistake or two, they, for some reason, think it's some sort of cinematic look. That's what I think, because Netflix is very tight on their QC. I mean, mm-hmm. rounds of QC. Yeah, I would think. And they're huh. very critical. So yeah. if it the, came I mean, out log, it's probably a creative decision. Yeah. <laughs> the, the only other one that kind of made sense to me is uh, someone was saying that it might be like they have a director who doesn't understand like anything about about like the actual like film and codex and all that kind of stuff. So what he was seeing <laughs> on set was it in log. And so then he edited it in his head that that's what it's gonna look like. Oh. And then when they actually one of the editors, maybe they actually graded it. He's like, no, that's way, that's not right at all. Yeah, that's not what I we mean, saw. 
Which... I, I mean, it's funny because I do deal with directors, but I actually don't deal with them as much as people probably think. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of more documentary unscripted stuff, but um, once they're once it's directed, they might watch it and say like, yep, looks good. So for a log thing to go out is uh, a little tough. <laughs> so what is log? Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I, again, oh, okay. I, think, I think I have an idea. If but, you see like um, a really flat image that looks gray, uh-huh. and you're like, something's weird with that. Like it needs some color. That's probably yeah. log. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's basically, it looks desaturated. And the reason why you do it, oh man, I don't know if I'll get the technical reasons right. Uh, when you compress things into like the center, so it looks desaturated, uh-huh. you can basically expand it um, afterwards in color and you get more like data in like the highlights or the really deep blacks because it's not like clipping or anything like that on either end. So you, you have to like re-expand it out to make it look like re, re- real color. Um, huh. It's called right? dynamic range, and it's yeah. essentially if you look at a gradient of like um, a, like a blue sky, yeah. and the more if you ever see banding, it's like lines kind of from compression. Mm-hmm. That's like low dynamic range sometimes. The mm-hmm. higher the dynamic range, which is log typically for the most part, will allow you to have a more smooth gradient when you're color correcting across one color. So the higher, the more dynamic range, the higher quality overall it'll be but less uh, compression artifacting and like light to dark or very bright to very dark in like a shadow and a bright sun you'll get more detail typically but you actually have to do something with it (laughs) yeah 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 you have to do something with it which usually you just contrast and you're usually almost there okay that makes sense I was just getting some feedback saying that my audio has moved mostly to the left channel. Do you guys hear me okay? I'm hearing, uh, we're hearing something different than I think the stream. Uh, oh, no, well, they should be the same after oh, we. Uh, uh. Hello, hello, left, right, left, <laughs> No, right. I'm hearing you on both. Just, just, just fixed back, not sure what was going on. Gremlins, I don't know, we're, weird. Technical. Oh, gremlins. <laughs> when you deal with technology, you get technical issues. So, <laughs> uh, that's cool. Um, headphone, oh, haha, new caves. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious to know more about, um, just, I guess, overall, the work that you do. You said you um, you work a lot more with documentary and unscripted. How is that different from scripted and, and regular uh, TV, It's actually quite a bit different. So documentaries are a lot of found footage or still images or archival footage that needs to be – needs the frame rates to be the same in the end. Mm-hmm. So my job is to kind of make it – if it needs to be delivered at 2397 – frames per second, then I need to make anything that's like 2997 the same frame rate. I also need to match the resolution and up-res stuff, meaning if it's something from the 90s that needs to be 4K, I need to hopefully polish it up and make it look more (laughs) detailed, add some sharpening or color it. Um, Then unscripted is a whole different beast. That one people underestimate. Uh, So those reality shows that everyone thinks are just garbage or whatever, they're the most work (laughs) out of anything by far, 100%. And they take the most time with the lowest budgets. Imagine the editing, just just the, I suppose, since we learned a new term today, the offline editing part of unscripted television must be incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be because there's, I mean, if you think a thousand hours of footage because they're filming 12 hours a day with 10 cameras and they all have to be grouped, you watch them, then they got to find a story. So sometimes they'll just go in and I mean, they might have a clue of what they're looking for, but you still have to watch all the angles, listen to all the microphones and make sure that someone doesn't say something off camera that you could use to make them look silly or whatever. (laughs) I mean, uh, yeah, a lot of things happen, but those take a lot of organization. The assistant editor is very, very, very important in that because they need to name the tapes right. They need to organize it correctly. The B-roll, if it needs to be labeled, needs to be like Bluebird in Los Angeles in summer 
of 2020 as opposed wow. to bird city you know i mean yeah. there's stuff like that that just it makes a big difference when you're searching and when you have to go fast and then sometimes the story producers will make a rough cut and give the editor that and then the editor polishes that up and a lot of it's made in the edit with the with the editors and the producers. Um, scripted right. is a whole different ballgame in terms of online editing. It's yeah. a lot more conform-based, meaning I just take what they give me and I make sure it matches their reference exactly. And typically, I haven't had to go off the rails too much on scripted stuff. It's pretty uh, strict, if that makes sure. sense, and regimented. Where unscripted is kind of like, let's make it great. We don't have all the money, so you might have, or me, I might have to do titling or cameraman removal or blurring or those. Maybe I'll make a change in the story because we saw something when it was color corrected that just didn't make sense. Yeah. Once we got it on upresed and looking great. Wow. Yeah, it, it would it would make sense. I guess that scripted would be I guess not easier in, in but that strict because they have you you have it almost all planned out kind of ahead of time. And there's a lot of people that get paid a lot of money to make sure that what they're what started off as their vision stays that vision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I I mean yeah I wouldn't. Easy is not, like you said, not the word, but it's um, different and it's a whole different political ballgame than what I'm used to. Oh. Yeah, it sounds like it's just less hectic, maybe. Yeah, it's just different. So, like, offline stuff, or I'm sorry, unscripted stuff can be fast-paced and lower budgets, but if you're good, you'll be working because it takes a special skill. Um, And scripted, I don't have as much experience, so I don't know the skills for that, but I just, it's, from what I've seen in the assistant editors I've talked to, it's um, different, and it's uh, not the same path, uh, career path. It's different, Hmm. very different. So you really don't get very many people that will work on both they really most people kind of like specialize kind of like what you have sometimes yeah so like i had an assistant editor friend of mine from years ago that uh he made the jump to scripted um that was a very purposeful decision and he really tried hard to do it and it paid off but yeah typically i don't see many people jump unless they're like you know what i'm done with this i'm gonna try to be the um whatever some hbo scripted show and then they you work your way in and make it work by showing the skills that you learned while doing documentaries or unscripted because if you can do a show like um i worked on the real world or um what else did i work on a few other shows if you can do those you can pretty much handle yourself Mm. doing anything nice it's a so, big skill set. We have another question from YouTube. Uh, Lana Lauren One asks: With COVID, should new people rethink how to start out? Should we build work from home systems for remote jobs at a company, or work on small projects to build skill, then eventually get paid work as a freelancer? Oof. That's a loaded question. Um, I suppose your perspective, uh, you know, all of it. So yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, personally, when I see when people ask me what do I do. I, I would used to say, find someone like me and ask me questions or how do I get in? What is the job? And I may, who knows, maybe catch me on the right day and someone emails me about some uh, assistant editor job and I can just be like, yeah, here you go, email this person. Um, and that usually works. Uh, internships were the best if you can handle it and you don't mind either not getting paid or getting paid little because um, you could just sit with the editor and watch what they do and that's invaluable. These days, it's a weird world. I mean, you, I say get resolve because it's free Mm -hmm. and you can if you can learn resolve, you can get the basics of everything. Um, You have a phone. I mean, even if it's not a good phone, grab it, film stuff, make a 30 second short film and do everything from start to finish from filming it, storyboarding, writing the story filming it, color correcting it, exporting it, put it on YouTube. I mean, the only way you can learn is by putting yourself out there and getting feedback. That's, I mean, these days, if you're serious, stuck at home with three kids like me, film a video with your kids and yeah. action movie dad, which I'm sure you've- yeah, uh, I was just about to say him, you could be the next action movie dad. <laughs> he's my favorite. I love, like he's in Target and he's filming the Frozen, um, was it, uh, what's the moose's name? Whatever, it, it, walking through the aisle and I'm just like, this is right. the best thing ever. If you can start with that stuff and you can just film yourself at Target and comp in a 
Godzilla or something, I mean, you'll probably get a job if it looks like his stuff. And he, right. there's, there's like two people that I follow everything they do. Uh, Action Movie Dad and um, just on YouTube, but Buttered Side Down is like one of my favorite guys on YouTube. It's like seen. terrible VFX, but he's gotten a lot better. He's been doing it for years. Uh, but what is it one called? of my favorite YouTube channels, Buttered Side Down. I'll look that up. That's like, funny. Yeah, like on totally I love that stuff. I had to check that out. Yeah, his stuff is his great, especially his um, older stuff. He's starting to get like sponsors now. So he's oh. actually starting to have money. <laughs> now he's real. But, he's good. Yeah, but like his early stuff is great. It's it's. I don't know. I, I've always wanted um, the the corridor digital guys. We do a lot of work oh, with them. They, they do the VFX artists react. Kind yeah. of what I want them to do one uh, for one of his episodes, just because it's it's not good, <laughs> but it's like intentionally not good which is a skill like I, yeah, exactly. i've had to work on stuff where they're like make it look bad but then they're like but also don't make it look bad but like, <laughs> okay so yeah there's a skill to me i mean i call it crapify but it's you gotta if you can make it crappy but also really funny then in, that's worth its weight in gold right yeah. right to learn this stuff now is tough so if you can find something you want to mimic mimic it and do it put it up and see what hits i mean you yeah. never know stupid stuff is funny to me at least yeah it's hilarious especially when they keep it nice and short like a couple of minutes couple minute yeah. video terrific that's what i love the action movie dad stuff it's just like a 30 second clip of some dinosaur walking down a street and you're like that's amazing but it, <laughs> it is like i couldn't so do that in like a day so i love it's it great. it's so cool um uh, oh, not so much a question, I guess, but uh, Moose does stuff. He comments, did uh, did you ever have to do the I do everything sort of stuff before getting into your specialization? Yeah, I still do. Um, yeah, when I so I started writing for Post Perspective in college, well, Post Magazine in college, and then um, the editor moved on and did her own thing, and that's Post Perspective. So I write for her, and to be honest, that's where I learned a lot of stuff because I would get free plugins to play with or hardware like i'm streaming with a gopro 9 right now and i get a mess with that stuff and i learned a lot of stuff just by tinkering and kind of throwing stuff around and i don't get paid for it but i mean i'm on here with you guys so i guess there are benefits to working for free if you can afford it sure and uh that stuff is i mean yeah getting to play with toys is halfway to learning your specialization (laughs) like if if you can just mess around and learn everything, I know that's a bad statement, but knowing a lot will help you prosper. I mean, now, even today, I still, I'm an online editor, but I do After Effects and I know um, like Mocha tracking, which not everyone does, or green screen keying, which not everyone does. Um, So learning like the Adobe Suite or um, Resolve or After Effects or Nuke or Flame or Resol- uh, Nakoda <laughs> or uh, I don't know, Hit Film or Vegas or whatever. The more you learn, the better. Um, yeah. But to that same point, Jack of all trades, master of none holds true. So mm-hmm. make sure what you want to do is what you want to do. And the other stuff is just kind of great at that point. I mean, right. I wanted to be an editor. So when I first started, I was a post coordinator and a post supervisor. And at one point I was just like, no more of this. I don't want to be on call 24 seven about questions about why this clip went to air when it wasn't the wrong clip. So I kind of took some time off and became a substitute teacher in my off time oh, cool. at junior high, which was insane. And then, <laughs> and then, yeah. And I think it actually helped me. So then I finally got another job as an assistant editor, a post super friend called me for it. And I was lucky enough to go that route, but I was like, you know what? I just can't do this anymore. Focus on what I want to do and go. keep going, but also learn everything you can, I guess. Yeah, it, it does seem to make, um, I've heard similar where it's good to know like the whole process, even mm-hmm. if you're only focused on one piece of it. Cause you can always, it's always such a good idea to know that because if you can make the next person in line, if you can make their job a little bit easier by knowing what they're gonna have to go through, be- if you screw you. up your piece, <laughs> it makes it makes everybody's life, and it ripples all the way down to the uh-huh. final product. Cause it, it, it applies to our work, it, it applies to everybody's work. Oh, Try to make the crap. next person's job easier a rising tide floats all boats is the way to live because if you don't 
people, I mean, you might work for a little bit, but once people realize that you're um, failing upwards, you're gone. And then mm -hmm. if you can, my theory is just, like you said, make everyone's life easier. And then when they go, why is there never any problems with Brady's work? And they're like, oh, well, he's helpful with the PAs or the kitchen staff or whatever. I mean, yeah, anything. you know, I'm going to get a coffee for someone. <laughs> it's all good. Then everyone loves you. And all of a sudden, 10 years later, that PA is an executive producer. Yeah. And uh, that actually happened to me. There was a show I worked on where the PA was um, a nice kid from the Midwest. And he did a great job as, you know, as the PA. And I was nice to him. Like, I think you should be nice to everybody. Yeah. And uh, I taught him some stuff here and there. But then five, six, seven years later, he called me and was like, hey, man, and there's this job. Are you interested as an online editor? And I'm like, yeah, it paid off. So yeah, definitely awesome. uh, don't burn your bridges if you can help it. Yeah. yeah. I'll also plug a little bit for Adobe. Um, Adobe Max this year is is free. Um, that's mm -hmm. uh, mid-October. Um, so if you do, like, you want to, you know, see some sessions about, like, um, After Effects for video editors. They do a lot of those crossover kind yeah, of sessions. Yeah, that's good. So you can always uh, just sign up for Adobe Max. Again, it's free this year. Sign up for whatever sessions you want. I already have my, like, three days as, like, book. All day. <laughs> they have but, great stuff. And if Andrew Kramer's on there, watch him. Yep. That's yeah, a name he, that keeps yeah, coming up. Who, who, I, I feel like I know that name from Video Copilot. That's why I know that name. Yep. Okay. That comes up a lot. The yeah, guy, I think his tutorials think are great. He has single handedly been like, just from the number of times it gets mentioned, he's had like the number one effect across. All of the, all of like YouTube and like indie film and the DIY visual effects. Everybody is like, dude, Andrew Kramer. I watched his tutorials in the beginning. All of this yep. stuff. He's like yep. the best. Like That's half of our cool. After Effects benchmark projects are based on his tutorials. That's yeah, they're. Amazing. I mean, they're amazing and they're easy yeah. and he's funny. And I've, that's another person I tell, watch his like eight or 10 beginner tutorials. You know, they're a little old, but you can find them and you learn the basics. You learn the little things to get around in After Effects. So when someone says, hey, we've got an After Effects project, can you jump in and mess with it? You'll be like, yeah, no problem. I can do the basics. And then they don't have to pay for someone else to do it. And you just you save the company money. Yeah. But sometimes it's just like, hey, can we change this text? Yep. Yeah. Okay. And not everyone can do it. So if you're the one that's like, oh, if, even if you're the PA that's not supposed to be working, and you're like, oh, I know After Effects. And they're like, can you change the text? And you're like, yeah, no problem. Oh, you, you'll be hired the next month. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, oh, uh, oh, this is kind of related to the jack of all trades stuff. Being good at editing, does that automatically make you good or semi-good uh, videographer since you know what to look for and how to frame things? I don't think it does personally, but um, if you, since you do know the tricks or what's bad, I like a hobby, I guess, a hobby, uh, photography and doing video stuff, it takes a lot of practice. But since I do see the bad stuff, I can kind of be like, oh, okay, I need to light the shadows more because when I see stuff that's super crunchy and the, there's no detail in the shadows, I kind of get bummed out. So if I'm doing a family video of my kids throwing mud at each other or whatever, just exposed for the mud and uh, it, it's weird. It, you, I don't think you can automatically be good at it just because you watch it. But if you mm. practice it, yeah, you can be good at it at both. I'm curious to know what has been one of the, I guess, roadblocks. What is something that kind of stands out as, and since we're talking kind of on the topic of like making, making the next person's job a little easier, what's something that kind of holds you back something that like when you you get a project and you're like why did they do this <laughs> um besides and, people and, and just not how you know how do you overcome it sure besides people just not doing it right i mean that's the biggest hurdle but i'll tell you what even even if you don't know anything about the software and you deliver it to me wrong if you're a good person and i can talk to you in a reasonable manner and we can figure stuff out it's all good like for the most part. I mean, as long as you don't make a show, not make air. Sure. We can make it work. But if you're a jerk, that's <laughs> no one will help you include. I mean, I'll try, but there's a, everyone has a limit. So once you hit that limit, they're going to be like, nah, we're good. I'd rather just work with someone less experienced and we'll figure it out. Okay. That's, I mean, personality is the biggest roadblock for me. Wow. Hmm. 
is there a, any sort of technical challenge that uh, that kind of sticks with you? Like, I don't know. Um, oftentimes, I hear about like playback scrubbing for is a pain. <laughs> oh, I see. Uh, um, I'm lucky enough to work with really high end systems. Um, I work for a big company that allows me, like iMac Pros and certain Nexus servers and SANS and Linux boxes with a bunch of Titans in them. So in that <laughs> respect, no. However, when we get hard drives from people that are USB 2 and Ooh. I have to transfer 100 gig or Ugh. 700 gigs of stuff, Man, you go, I got to go be take like, a nap. guys, come back tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. Actually, that's funny. I just recently, oh, I was, I've been looking for a KVM and oh, yeah. blows my mind how hard it has been to find something that has at least one USB 3 on it. I can't, but that's, I I got a new (laughs) Dell monitor to review and it was a big wide 49 inch one, which is simply too big, but amazing. And it had a built in KVM, which was, I didn't care for it at first. And then I'm like, you know what? I love this because my kids have play like Fortnite or whatever behind on another system. And I'm like, I don't want to switch the mouse and keyboard every time, but this is like built in KVM. Boom. Here we go. Beautiful. That's nice. Yeah, that's cool. KVMs are weird, but great. You don't want to see what? our KVM setup over in labs then? Yes, I <laughs> our do. Our KVM setup is it's crazy. Because <laughs> all of our systems, all of our test beds go to IP KVMs. So you oh. can remote in um, you know, over the internet. And we kind of yep. had to do that for COVID stuff. Yep. Um, and man, doing 4K of those, are they're expensive, but like 500 bucks a pop. Yeah. Um, but then from there, then we go to a 4K normal KVM so we can have just one display. Because um, we used to have actually a monitor and keyboard and mouse for every single test bed. Oh, yeah. And just... Now that we're not there, local, it doesn't really matter. Um, so yeah, we have eight test beds going to IP KVM, which then go to 4K KVM, which getting 4K KVMs is actually really hard. And the yes. one we got uh, was surprisingly affordable, which <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's going to last. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll see. But yeah, it's kind of a mess. Huh. KVM yeah. nightmare. Yeah, it's yeah. You think you think that we'd have come a little further along in the in that respect, but I, I just don't think people think about it. They don't realize that that's such a big deal for people that like you or yeah. me. If I have four computers and I'm exporting on each one, and I just want to go boop 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 switch back and forth real quick, it's not easy, like you're saying. Yeah, we've yeah. got like 16 test beds always running. Yeah, like, yeah, we need to have access to those. Half of them we've moved into our server room now just because we don't I don't want to listen to them <laughs> like, yeah, it takes a lot but it's worth it once you get a good yeah. setup yeah we have uh, another question from YouTube Garrett Reviews asks do you have set rules on how long a scene should be or do you edit according to how you feel about the scene thinking of people like Casey whose scenes never linger very long I'm guessing that's a nice stat. Yeah. But uh, so that's an interesting question. The YouTube editing stuff is a whole different beast. That's a different genre, different. It's its own thing. And it's great. And it's uh, I get a lot of inspiration from stuff like that. But um, it's different Um, in terms of what I usually work in. um, It's pretty. I mean, networks dictate a lot of it. A lot of it has to be under eight minutes or over five. And so you kind of just stick to it. And then you would just puzzle like like a puzzle. You just kind of say we got a two to three minute one here. We got a four minute one here put them together they make sense and we'll pay it off in act six or whatever structure you have but i mean if i'm doing something personally yeah i just i think i have a good sense of what is dragging on too long and if i'm like kind of zoning out and just like being like oh this is cool i'll just be like yeah something was wrong so in that walter merch blink of an eye stuff if i'm bored there's something wrong so fix it and it could just be a music cue or it could be, hey, pull two minutes out and make it a one minute act instead of a seven minute act. And that happens. I mean, if not, if something's not working, I just delete, delete, delete. And then eventually I'm like, oh, there was a bunch of garbage in there that <laughs> maybe the people wanted in there to make story points, but doesn't work. And it makes people zone out. Sometimes it works. Sometimes people say you're wrong. Put it back. All right. <laughs> it depends those, on how you're working a lot of time. Yeah. Then you get those action sequences for like one punch. There's like 20 different camera angles. <laughs> that you have to You have to put all the angles in for that. Yeah. <laughs> 
required. I have noticed uh, as as time has gone on, especially in movies, that um, there's a lot of I guess um, transitions or, or it feels like a lot of jump cuts. Actually, just like you're over here, you're over here, over here. Like every I don't know five seconds. Is that is that is it just me? Like or or is that actually like kind of an industry thing or where the I, editing is? I think YouTube did it. Uh, yeah. Because they just cut in the middle of sentences for dramatic effect sometimes. And I think it carried over. Because, like, I'll watch stuff, like, on YouTube and be like, you know what? That was a cool transition that guy had. And then the more I watch it, I probably just get used to them cutting in the middle of sentences that I normally yeah. wouldn't. And then maybe someone caught that and was just like, cool. Let's just cut, cut, cut. No one really cares. When you step back and look at, like, the grand view of something, yeah. if... I mean, does anyone really care if your hat goes from the left to the right, continuity-wise? Right. Maybe not. My wife doesn't care. I'll care, and I'll point <laughs> it out and write, a, write to all my friends, but she'll be like, it doesn't matter. This, it doesn't matter. <laughs> You're ruining it. So huh. to that I point, I think it's a Starbucks it, cup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know? Right with a, with a watch, the watch showing where it shouldn't be. Yeah, huh. stuff like that. And do, does it, do people care? I don't know. Hmm. Probably not. The internet not in the cares. End. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, here's the question. I think it's going to be more toward Matt from Jose Contreras. He asks, any motherboard is good for video editing like the Asus ROG Strix Z490E? Um, that's more of a Friday question. A lot of times okay. on Fridays when we have like our lab guys on. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll just quickly give give a little answer. Um, the brands that we tend to gravitate towards is Gigabyte and MSI. Um, if a motherboard from them doesn't have the features you need, then yeah, you can go outside. But I'd say Gigabyte and MSI are probably the two top brands for like reliability. So that's a, that's a quick answer for a workflow Wednesday stream. Yeah, and that, you know what? Uh, a quick plug because you guys didn't ask me to do this, but over the, I don't know, 10 years I've been writing reviews. I'd for everyone out there, the Puget systems came to me as a reviewer, the cleanest and the most organized I've ever seen it. And they sent me this binder that was, you know, all the specs that or I'm sorry, the benchmarks that applied to me. So resolve or Photoshop or, um, premiere and, it was remarkable to see it. So um, their PR guy, your PR guy, Kevin, who I've been friends mm. with for a long time, he, I tell him, I was like, to be honest, like, I don't have to, I don't lie ever in a review, but I, if something's terrible, I mean, I try to avoid it unless it's um, absolutely necessary. Um, and for a lot of these things, I have to tell people like it was shipped terribly, but mm -hmm. the way Puget sent it was like, oh my God, this is exactly, if I was to buy something, I always tell people I would rather buy through you guys than someone Aww. who is more money or they, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's true. Like I'm not even putting you on because it, when I saw that binder of all the stuff, it was like, oh yeah, like duh, who doesn't want it? If I'm a resolve guy, I want to see what resolve does. I don't want to see what other nonsense testing that doesn't like gaming testing. Like it's cool. And maybe I'll play Fortnite at 240, but um, not resolve. I want to see how fast my uh, neat video noise reduction renders on yeah. on dual 3080s or whatever when that comes out. So Ooh. I want to see that it's neat like video that crushes every system ever, which well, you'll get with Puget. So it's a great neat video doesn't support the new cards yet. Unfortunately, I tried to run it. <gasps> Are you shooting neat video five? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't support it yet. Or at least not the neat bench. Maybe there's a newer version than the so the neat video does. And it can inside of the app, you can yeah. you, run you can, the benchmark, and it'll say what's best to use, and it'll give you FPS. But yeah, so we're bench, not running yeah. we're not running that yet on the new cars. I don't I don't even know if we've had any sales for the new cars yet because I think we just got our first shipment in. So time to buy them. Yeah, they're probably already all allocated. Right. The first like month after a launch is always super <clears throat> rocky just for supply. You know, I have a mess. question for you, actually. The, yeah. A lot of times people ask me AMD versus Intel or NVIDIA, and I've used both, and I find them both have their positives. Um, however, if someone's building, an, say, a Resolve-based system, are they going to lose a lot by using AMD products over, I don't know, 
I forget the AMD product numbers, but um, like a 2080 versus the 560 GP? I forget. 5700X. Uh, that, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, right now, like anything Adobe or Blackmagic, pretty much almost anything in content creation, NVIDIA has a huge lead. Yeah. Um, like they have a lot more expensive products, so like you can go higher up, but also if you're just going to spend the same amount of money, yeah, NVIDIA is NVIDIA is the way to go right yeah. now. NVIDIA is just the way to go. Um, just everybody. I think a lot of it is just uh, due to CUDA. It's not the raw horsepower because like in games, AMD can be, you know, can match or beat NVIDIA. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like an optimization thing. But from what I've heard from like the developers, CUDA is so much easier to work with that oh, they can I spend see. more time on optimizing than they can with like OpenCL. Hmm. So on the GPU side, it's definitely NVIDIA. On the CPU side, it depends. I would say in, uh, AMD has most of the lead most of the time. Um, Intel still has a few times where they're better, um, like Photoshop. Um, I think Intel is slightly faster, but like there's very few people that only use Photoshop Yeah, as like a secondary. Uh, so most of the time AMD is better uh, on the CPU side. The difficult thing is that um, since Intel owns Thunderbolt or they created Thunderbolt, yeah. Thunderbolt works way better on Intel-based systems. Um, that there's I a few like AMD motherboards that have Thunderbolt, but in our experience, it's terrible. Like it might work for you, but more than likely it won't. Yep. So that's one of the main reasons we still sell some Intel systems for like content creation is Thunderbolt. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and I use Thunderbolt all the time, so I have yeah. to. I have used it on AMD systems, and it does. It didn't work as well, but yeah, it it just seems to depend um, a lot because man, Thunderbolt is just so complex. You've mm-hmm. got like the drivers, you've got the firmwares, you've got the hardware, and everything has to work together. And that's mm-hmm. why like Thunderbolt on Apple works really well because they control everything. Yeah, and it one... does work really well. Yeah. Uh, but on PC, they've all got to work together, and for whatever reason, on AMD stuff, I I don't know if it's like due to like the the BIOS teams or the firmware teams or or what, but it's just way better on Intel, way Good more reliable. This. Yeah. Why can't it all just be USB C? What's the deal? What's I the mean, for, for like hard drives and stuff, <laughs> sure. But it's all the people that are trying to use like displays. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's those old Thunderbolt displays. Man, yeah, the people who are using Thunderbolt 2 or even their original Thunderbolt displays and like they're trying to make it work, it's like, ah. Oh. Thunderbolt 3 displays are great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those are great. Yeah. yeah, they're fun. Plug and play, done. Boom. Ah, oh, that'll be cool. I, I, I yearn for there. the day where that's the case for everything. Yeah, right. <laughs> I wish isn't that that's what USB was supposed to be uh, for yeah. a lot of stuff, not for displays. But and then they got into what was it USB two, then USB three, then USB three point one, and then three point one Gen two, then USB well, and then they, three point yeah, oh four x four. They like they like retroactively re- renamed the whole like three series. Is like it's not USB C, it's USB three point two Type A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, keep up. <laughs> I don't even know I what thought, it is anymore. I thought we had a group that handled all this stuff on purpose right like you're some, you can't just start naming things anything you want uh, but they do uh, yeah <laughs> sorry uh let's see oh we did have a few um a few more other questions coming in from youtube uh garrett reviews asks does all the rules still apply that used to apply with film uh so, like wide establishing shot before the over the shoulder shot and close-up half body legs or is it okay these days to break all the rules <laughs> uh I personally, I mean, I wouldn't take this for gospel, but I personally think you have to know the rules to break the rules. So sure. if you know, if you can do the standard wide shot to a close up or whatever to set up a scene and you can do that well and you understand why it works and how it works and what you should do, then who's to say you can't? Unless you're being paid by a network <laughs> that says you can't. But if it's your stuff, I mean,. You do use, you'll find out if someone tells you this sucks, then you'd be like, oh, maybe I should have gone back to that standard workflow and not chop off heads or, you know, <laughs> cut, chop someone off at the knees. So I think if you know it, if you know the rules, you can break them. But if you're just breaking them right off the bat, you might run into some issues. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Let's see. Um, people asking for 3090 teasers. Can you talk <laughs> about that? Yeah. Come back tomorrow. Um, 
we're not gonna start leaking stuff. We're not those people, unfortunately. Yeah, don't do that. Sometimes I, sometimes I wish. I wish like every other launch. Yeah. yeah, every other launch, it seems like someone puts something up early and then everyone else floods like, oh, well, if they did it, we can do it. Yeah, yeah. I love seeing, le- I mean, I don't love seeing leaks, but I, I when I see leaks of stuff and I'm like, ooh, I already know all this, but I'm yeah. like, I gotta keep quiet because you're wrong. It's yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it's hard that the default answer always has to just be, I can neither confirm nor deny okay. because yeah. don't know. we know, but we can't <laughs> hint either way. Yeah. Or else Those, takes all of our toys. Constantly, yeah. constantly sketched out about. Wait, was I? Did it like? Did John tell me this, and so I can't repeat it, or did oh, I read that, this from someone else? And all like, the time, <laughs> when I'm checking embargoes, I have to make sure my editor. I'm like, okay, can you please verify the embargo seven times because I'm scared yeah. to death to post yeah. something. I yeah, just, that happens with us. Um, wow, well, I probably shouldn't get into too much. But uh, <laughs> last week with the with the thirty eighty, like we were told yeah. over and over and over, our embargoes was uh, last Thursday, and then like a whole bunch of reviews went up the day before. We we're like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa! Yeah, what? you're like, wait a second. And it turned out that like some people had special permission, um, and, and like so it's always yeah hard to keep track of, especially now because we have like paper launches, and then we have like review embargoes and then press embargoes. I was gonna say press then, launches. And, yeah, and then like say. Sales embargoes, like when, and, and we're super weird too because we're we do a bunch of articles and reviews, yeah, and we sell workstations. Yeah, so you're in an sometimes, spot. yeah, sometimes we like we can talk about stuff, kind of because we meet this one embargo, but we can't do it here. It, it gets a little so bit weird. weird for us. I'm, but I find that it is odd. So odd. When when I just like wish that. everything just had one date again. Just yeah, you can announce it. It's there. Gone. <laughs> I find it weird when it's like you can talk about price and like physical specs, you know, how big something is or whatever, but you can't talk about performance. Well, then why bother talking about it? Like, isn't that the, I don't know. It's just, it's just hype, weird. Hype generating. That one also smells of something fishy, so. Yeah, right? The, the Whenever I hear that, I'm like. A little sus. Yeah. Well, sometimes too, I, I think, like to be um positive about it i think sometimes it's like the the drivers aren't yeah. really like finalized so they're worried some, someone's going to talk about performance and with an early beta driver yeah and yeah the performance is crap but it's like well it's a super early beta driver and the next week right it's it's better they fix that actually it. happened to me on a review recently where i was like the touchscreen isn't you could probably figure out what i'm talking about the touchscreen on the back of it didn't work as well then the firmware update three days before the release i was like oh yeah, nailed it okay. yeah <laughs> so luckily i didn't write about that <laughs> so uh, we have another question from youtube um hakan broderland asks um when you get hired does the studio provide you a machine to work on or do you bring your own These days, I've been lucky enough to work at places that give me the machine to work on Uh, in terms of working at home now. Yeah, so my company um, let me borrow an iMac Pro. Um, I also have my system for backup in case and plugins that I have like neat video, which I don't have on the system. But I use uh, that and I remote in via HP's um, remote graphics setup, which is called Zebu Central now, I think. I've heard good things about that. It's incredible. And then I'm there's some technical nerdiness, but I'm able to watch it on a Apple TV and it looks uh, almost I would say 90% that I'm in the building that I would normally be in. Like it's wow. It's incredible. I mean, I get dropouts and frame stutters every now and then, but for being at home, I mean, I couldn't really ask for anything better cool unless I had an unlimited download speed and a 10 gigabit internet. <laughs> Right. But, yeah, it's one thing. Great. Uh, one thing I'll tack on just from our own experience, um, we're starting to get more customers who, um, like existing customers, they buy systems for, from us already. And they're, we're starting to ship out to different addresses because, like, it's individual, it's going to the end users. Oh, yeah. And for a couple of them, we're starting, like, I mentioned those IPKVMs where you can remote in and it's hardware level access. You can adjust BIOS settings, you can install Windows remotely. Um, for a couple of our customers, we're starting to set up a system where they, their IT staff can remote into the system before we ship so they can get it all set up for the oh, end user. Oh, that's cool. And then it ships directly to them so it doesn't have to go to their IT facility first and then get reshipped. Wow, that's really smart. Yeah. So that's definitely, there's more of the you know, people providing home systems, it, it mm-hmm. feels like. 
Yeah, I love the RGS stuff is incredible. Like my company has a bunch so I can log in. If one goes down, I can log into another. And it's just a flip of a switch. Other than a VPN setup, it's, I mean, it's pretty painless for what it is. Yeah, you do have to be a little bit, I feel, careful with like color. I think I feel like color is the biggest thing that like, mm. is really hard to do. It so you is. Can do, uh, you can do the offline editing, but not the online. Yeah, you know, it. you can if you get the, ca- like, they send me a monitor that's been calibrated and mm-hmm. professionally calibrated. And um, over the NDI stream is very good. I, I think you could. That's cool feasibly color correct off of it i mean a lot of people probably tell me i'm full of it right now but <laughs> you can Those do the people what say you, you need, need flanders do. flanders oh, yeah. monitors you, only you, you need the dolby vision whatever 30 50 thousand dollar monitor which yes you should have that for netflix when you want to do dolby vision but for what i have it's an amazing setup and you can get by pretty easily mm-hmm. that's cool with with all the money in the world yeah, right. yeah that's the thing <laughs> and networking so i'm gonna i'm gonna squeeze in kind of a two a two-part question uh because it's it's asked um from two different people so i'm gonna smoosh them together um what and i suppose multi multi faceted question because uh, it came it came out of like what's the best video editing software like, as far as like easy to learn and then there was a question about workflow um, differences between like say a comedy and a documentary and I'd just like to kind of maybe expand that to a larger question of just how how is the process and workflow different depending on software and content uh, yeah so um, I can put that in each software has its own perks. So Adobe Premiere is great. You throw whatever you want into it. Most people have it. You can uh, go to After Effects easily, back and forth, graphics, Photoshop, all of it. When you get to my workflow where it's an offline to an online editor, and we use a software like Resolve, Premiere doesn't always send out data correctly and Resolve doesn't always interpret it correctly. So going from Premiere to Resolve, if you have like a speed ramp or a time warp, it might not line up because they interpret them differently. And the XML or Resolve, someone's interpreting it differently. That gets tricky. Um, Mm -hmm. When you're keeping it all within each app, I mean, it's all good. But when you start to do the more quote unquote professional workflows and people have their specialties in Resolve or whatever, Mm. it gets dicey and that's kind of what I'm for is I fix that (laughs) and make it work for a couple of days. But uh, the problem is a lot of people get mad because they don't realize, hey, I use Premiere, it's supposed to work. Well, you did, but you don't under, it's cheap on the front end, but not on the back end if you do this professional workflow Uh because of how you need tape names on every clip. MP4s don't carry across time code, so you need to transcode them to .movs to keep the time code. Or when I go to resolve, they're not gonna link properly and I'm gonna spend eight hours conforming by hand. Wow. Avid is very good at keeping all that metadata in and not losing it, which is why you get a lot of grumpy old men like me saying Avid is pretty rock solid compared to everything else. Yeah. Um, but you have to know its intricacies and it's not easy to learn. Uh, but I've heard if that. you can learn Avid, you can know everything, I think, um, and you'll usually be good at it. If you know Premiere, you can basically do the same. You just miss on a lot of the metadata info to make sure everything has a tape name everything has time code everything's transcoded to a mezzanine file or a a common file that computers can edit from easily um but these days i i always say resolve is the way to go because it has the best of all the worlds and if you can learn resolve you can go pretty much anywhere um i haven't i don't get final cut projects a lot i don't think i've ever gotten one in 15 years professionally (laughs) personally i've used it but not professionally so i can't speak as much to that but um it's every software is different so if you can dedicate yourself to learning it and be open-minded about what's good and what's bad about it and find out why premiere is troublesome when you go to online or why avid can't import xml's you you'll you're probably in the right headspace to be comfortable in anything but resolve is typically the one that's like in my opinion you learn it it's free unless you need the noise reduction or the gpu stuff and get it and you can make anything with it 
Nice. Yeah, I really like Resolve or Black Magics. Um, I the, the the way they do it. You know, mm-hmm. they've got they've got the free version that really just draws people in, and especially for like students. Uh, I've mentioned on a couple oh, yeah. of these oh, streams. Yeah. My, my nephew's been doing some editing stuff and Resolve because yeah. you don't have to pay a subscription. You don't have to. I mean, no no one no high school editor is gonna use Avid, but <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> that. See, you're right because that's the problem. If they could get something that's more Resolve like or if Resolve in a dream world bought avid and made it more resolvey mm-hmm. <laughs> then that then everyone would learn it yeah. but you're right avid's just too hard to get a trial or yeah. a free i mean first or whatever that thing is i don't know and i've used yeah. it for t- 15 to 20 years so well I love Resolve it, just has everything in one i mean you, you've got editing you've got uh color i mean obviously color you've got <laughs> vfx you've like the got color sound. that people are using on movies so yeah you really have no excuse to be like well i don't have the access to tools but you do unless Literally you don't have do. a computer which puget will send you a free one so. <laughs> Only if you have a certain number of subscribers on YouTube. There you go. <laughs> or you or you pay him money. Contact contact us at marketing at pugetsystems.com. <laughs> uh, <no. laughs> um wow, okay, so I mean we're we're a little over our hour. Um oh, man. I'll leave it open I'll leave it open to you, Brady. Uh, is there anything you'd like to mention or talk about, any advice or uh, anything that really comes up that you think everybody ought to know before we go? Yeah, just be kind to everybody, please, for the love of God. It's uh, it's hard enough for everybody, especially I don't know how parents that, that work at, or that have kids are doing it. I have three, and God bless my wife. I don't know how she does it, but when I'm in here, it's tough, man. And everyone's going through different stuff. So if if you have an argument over whether a 3090 is better than a 3080, I mean, let's keep it simple. <laughs> don't be a jerk. And also that goes forward with uh, working. I mean, like I said, if I have a nice person that doesn't know as much, I'm gonna work with them way better than I am with someone who's a jerk and I'd rather not talk to. Let's just, uh, I I would just appreciate it. (laughs) It's hard out there. Especially now. Yeah, so tough. Everyone's got stuff going on. So let's just all keep that in mind. I like that. Yeah, just be nicer to each other. Be nice. Pretty simple. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you very much, Brady, for taking time out of your day to, uh, no to join us on our workflow Wednesday. It was. It's always so enlightening. I love getting to see how all these. There's so much more involved in all of these different industries than than I have ever suspected. And yeah. it's super cool to to see everybody's little niche, everybody's like thing that they do the best, and it's so cool. So thank you very much, uh, Matt. Well, thank thank you. you as well uh, for taking time out of your day. And thank you to the audience as well for taking, for joining us today. Thank you so much for the questions. It really helps a lot. It makes everything so much better for people down the road as well who watch this later. Um, we do this every Wednesday and Friday at 1 o'clock Pacific time. Wednesdays we bring in industry experts like Brady here to talk about what they do. Going to give you guys a chance to ask questions and get a little bit no- more knowledge on what they do and all that good stuff. And then on Fridays, where is it? Over there. Boop, Matt. Um, and our other labs, we're on a rotation. I think you just flex. Guys. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, oh, man, you threw off my my, my pattern. <laughs> on Fridays, on Fridays, we bring in our experts uh, to talk more about the crossover of hardware and software, and again, kind of give you guys an opportunity to ask some questions in that space as well. So mark your calendars: Wednesdays, Fridays, one p.m. Pacific time. Uh, and yeah, and that's it. So we'll uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you. Bye.